Shortly before the Baal Shem Tov passed away, he gathered his closest disciples around him and told each one what their special job would be and where they would go to continue the work they had been doing to spread Taita and mitzvahs amongst the Jewish people and to teach them how to serve Hashem with joy. Rabbi Yankov was the Baal Shem Tov's personal attendant, and to him, the Baal Shem Tov said that his task would be to travel from town to town to tell about the many things that he had seen or heard during the many years he had been with the Baal Shem Tov. This would be a great service, the Baal Shem Tov said. Jews everywhere are always ready to hear inspiring stories. After the Baal Shem Tov passed away, Rabbi Yankiv packed his suitcase with the things he would need for his mission. His talus, tefillin, some clothes, and some food for the road. Wherever Rabbi Yankiv went, he was received warmly and eagerly, and his stories about the Holy Baal Shem Tov touched the hearts of all who heard them. Rabbi Yankiv became well-known. Jews from all walks of life would flock to hear him wherever he would go. Rabbi Yankiv carried on like this for several years, coming home only for Yantif, bringing with him the money he had been able to collect for his wife and children. While traveling, he lived very carefully, and his wife and family too lived carefully. They were saving money as a dowry for their eldest daughter, who was nearing marriageable age. One Yantif, when he returned home, his wife began to speak to him about how perhaps it was time he gave up his role as a wandering Magid and found a different way of earning a living that would enable him to live at home with his family. Rabiankov replied that he agreed with her and he would also like the same thing, but he could not give up the mission that the Balshemtov had given him until the Rebbe would give him some sign that his mission was complete. Once again, Rabiankov set off on his travels, from city to city, from town to town, from village to village, warming the hearts of his fellow Jews with wondrous stories of his master and teacher, the holy Baal Shem Tov. On and on he went through Eastern Europe until he reached the border of Italy. He was now ready to turn back home when he heard that there was a Gvir living in Rome whose greatest joy was to hear stories of the Baal Shem Tov. It was said that he paid generously for every story anyone could tell him about the Baal Shem Tov. Rabbi Yankiv was delighted to hear this, for he had an endless list of stories to tell about the Baal Shem Tov. It would be great to have a comfortable place to stay and rest a while before continuing on his way, and the money he would earn would be most welcome. So, filled with hope and anticipation, Rabiankov started the journey to Rome. Upon arriving in Rome, Rabiankov made his way to the Jewish quarter, and there in the base Medrash he met many Jews, including the head of the community. Rabiankov introduced himself as the personal attendant of the Balshemtov for many years. On hearing this, the head of the community became very excited. He hugged Rabiankov and told him that he could be his guest for as long as he wished. He took Rabiankov home with him, gave him a beautiful room in his palatial mansion, and also provided him with a servant to take care of him. My dear friend, he said, I want you to rest for the next few days. There will be lots of time and opportunities on Shabbos 
during the three su'udas that we will enjoy together for you to tell me some of the stories that you know about the Baal Shem Tov. I want to hear each one of them. In the meantime, word got around that the head of the community was entertaining a very important guest, the former personal attendant and Talmud of the Holy Baal Shem Tov. It was the custom that when the head of the community had a distinguished guest for Shabbos, Jews would come to his house to honor the guest. So on Friday night, they went home and hurried through their own suddhas in order to be there in good time to hear Rabbi Yankov's wonderful stories. And Rabbi Yankov had indeed prepared a long list of stories about the Baal Shem Tov from his own experience. He was certain that his host and the crowd that filled the large dining room would not be disappointed. Finally, after dinner, the host introduced his distinguished and learned guest and said, Now, Rabbi Yankov, please let us hear what you know and can remember about the great Baal Shem Tov. Rabbi Yankov stood up, but as he opened his mouth, a terrible thing happened. With a shocked, terrified look on his face, he remained speechless because every story that he had prepared had vanished from his mind. He rubbed his forehead, couldn't remember even a single story. Everyone looked on in disbelief. Is this man, our important guest, really the personal attendant of the Balshemtov? Or is he just a, a faker who had tricked his host into giving him a free vacation? Rabiankov looked around and saw looks of discomfort and looks of suspicion on some of the people present. Everyone was disappointed. Only one person in the room showed no signs of disappointment or displeasure. This was the gracious host. He turned to Rabiankov and said, Don't worry, Rabiankov. These things happen. You're tired from your journey. It's only Friday night. We have two more Shabbos meals ahead of us. To the crowd, he said, Let's sing some Zmirais and rejoice with the Shabbos queen. After the singing, the company left. Poor Rabiankov. He felt humiliated. He felt brokenhearted. He went to his room, and he lay sleepless on the bed, thinking about the meaning of this punishment that had befallen him. What had he done wrong to deserve it? How could he have possibly forgotten every one of the hundreds of stories he knew about his dear saintly master, had he failed the Balshentev in some way, he began to cry. Suddenly, the floodgates of memory opened wide. His mind lit up with a blinding flash, and all of the stories returned to his memory. He remembered every single one with every detail. Bless you, my dear master, whispered Rebyankov. You've helped me fell into a comforting sleep. The following morning, Rabiankov told his host with great joy that Bar Hashem, his memory had returned and he remembered all of the stories. His host was thrilled and he let everyone know that they were invited for Cholent and to listen to Rabiankov after davening. Right after the Cholent and the Kugel and the other Shabbos foods had been served, his host stood up again and addressed the crowd. Now, please, everyone, 
give your fullest attention to our distinguished guest as we have the privilege and pleasure of hearing stories of the Holy Baal Shem Tev. Everybody turned to Rabbi Yankiv, and everybody was astonished to see him looking just like he had the night before, bewildered and speechless. Rabbi Yankiv stood there with a shocked expression on his face. The silence was painful. The host spoke up. My friends, I'm sorry to have disappointed you again, but let's be patient. We still have Shalashudas this afternoon. Maybe by then, our worthy guest will have recovered from his journey and will be able to tell a story. And when he turned to his guest, he said, Rebyankov, don't take it to heart. It's not your fault. I'm sure that your memory will return. Shalashudas came, and only a few people decided to join them. Most people had given up hope. They had concluded that Rebyankov is just an imposter looking for a free meal. The people who did come waited expectantly for at least one good story, but the same thing happened. Poor Rebyankov, his mind was blank. Rebyankov was so distressed that he could barely keep from crying. He couldn't even remember the face of his holy master, the Balshemtev. His mind was empty. After Shabbos, Rebyankov joined his host for a Malava Malka. The host began, Now, Rebyankov, it's just the two of us. It should be a good time for you to tell me something about the holy Balshemtev. Well, said Rebyankov, I wish I could. I, I'm so shocked. I'm so upset. Such a thing has never before happened to me. It must come from Shemayim. Even though I've searched my neshama, I can't find what I've done wrong, but perhaps this is a sign that the Holy Baal Shem Tev wants me to stop doing this mission of telling stories. I can only conclude that my mission is over and it's time to return home, although I would have preferred a more positive sign. Well, there's no point in my staying here any longer and intruding on your hospitality and your patience. Tomorrow morning, I will leave for home immediately. Well, there's no need for you to hurry, replied his host. You're welcome to stay. In fact, I would love for you to stay. If by Tuesday you still can't tell me even one story of the Balshemtiv, then I won't keep you any longer. And Rabiankov did stay until the following Tuesday without a single memory returning to him. So he took leave of his host with a heavy heart. The wealthy host gave Rabiankov a nice sum of money and accompanied him to his private carriage. Rabiankov sat down in the carriage, and as the carriage moved away, he looked out the window and saw his host standing there with a broken-hearted look. Suddenly he called out, Stop the carriage! I've just remembered a story. He jumped out of the carriage, and the host led Rebyankov back into the house. Rebyankov began immediately. About ten years ago, just before the Easter holiday, that Shabbos the Balshemtiv was in a strange mood. Immediately after Havdalah, he called two older Talmidim and me to go with him on a journey. He told the Balagala to let the horses go where they needed to go. We traveled the whole night. We arrived early in the morning, 
in a town that was not familiar to me. The wagon stopped at a fine-looking house, and the Balshemtov asked me to get out and knock on the door and ask permission to stop over for a short time. When the door opened, an old lady saw us and said, Jews, what's the matter with you? Don't you know it's their festival? Soon they will all come out of their church, all worked up, filled with hatred for us, bent on violence, looking for victims. If they know that some Jews from out of town are here, they will attack you. Have pity on yourselves. Run. Hide. But the Balshemtov was not worried by her warning. We entered the house. He then went up to the window, opened the shutters, and looked out, ignoring the warnings of the housewife and her husband. The house faced the marketplace. In the middle, a large platform was built. From the platform, the bishop would speak. The Jews feared that his sermon would arouse the crowd to violence and looting. Presently, all the church bells in the city began to ring, and people began to flock to the market. Townspeople, farmers, peasants, all eagerly waiting to hear the bishop. Then the Balshemtov said to me, Yankov, go and stand near the steps of the platform, and when the bishop will be about to climb up the steps, tell him that the Balshemtov is here and requests that the bishop come to him immediately. The members of the household became terrified. You can't go out there. This is sheer madness. You'll never get there alive. You won't even be around to deliver the message. But I was not afraid. I pushed my way through the crowd. Nobody paid me any attention. I reached the steps of the platform at the very moment the bishop arrived there and delivered the Bashemtov's message in Yiddish, exactly as the Besht had instructed me. The bishop did not seem surprised when I told him the Bashemtov is here and requests that you speak to him immediately. I know, I know, he said. I will go see the Balshemtov after my sermon. I went back to the house and told the Balshemtov what the bishop had said. The Balshemtov told me to go back and tell the bishop that the Balshemtov orders him to come at once without delay. So I pushed my way again to the platform where the bishop had already begun speaking. I pulled on his long robe, and when he looked down at me, I told him of the Balshemtov's request. His face turned pale. He turned back to the crowd held up his hands and said, I'll be back in a few minutes. He then walked down the steps of the platform and followed me. When we entered the house, the Balshemtov led the bishop into a small side room where they remained in seclusion for several hours. Finally, the Balshemtov emerged alone and told me and my companions that we were returning home immediately. We climbed into the wagon and off we went. The Balshemtov didn't tell us anything about what happened in that room, not during the return journey or, or any time afterward. And we never asked. And that's the end of the story, concluded Rebyankov. For a few moments, the rich Jew remained silent, sitting motionless, engrossed in deep thought. Then he stood up, raised his hands heavenwards and cried out, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, thank God Almighty. Surprised and puzzled by this reaction, Rabyankov waited for an explanation, but his host grabbed him, and off they went into a whirling Hasidic dance. When he finally calmed down, he said to Rabyankov, Everything you've told me is true in every detail. 
I know because I was there. I was that bishop. Rabiankov was dumbfounded. Yes, the moment I saw you when you came here, I knew you were the holy Balshemtov's faithful servant, but I didn't let you or anyone else know that I was expecting you. Now I can tell you the end of the story that you've just told me. I was born into a Jewish family. I was brought up like all other Jewish children. I went to Cheder. I went to Yeshiva. I had a very good head. I was often praised for my cleverness. While still a young man, I was already quite a Tamid Chacham. Then I got it into my head to learn science and philosophy. I left home, saying that I wished to study at a famous yeshiva, but instead, I made my way here to Rome. In order to enter the university, I had to hide the fact that I was Jewish. At first, I observed all of the mitzvahs privately, but as time went on, I was very successful in my studies, and I gradually gave up all Jewish practices. In due course, I became a bishop. I had forgotten all about my Jewish origins. It seems that my holy ancestors took pity on my lost soul. I began to feel an inner disquiet and uneasiness. Occasionally I had dreams in which I saw visions of my early childhood, but they were forgotten in the morning, for I dismissed them from my mind. Then one night, a saintly man appeared in my dream. He said he was Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shemtaif, and he was here to remind me that I was a Jew and demanded that I return to my people and my heritage. Angrily, I replied, Leave me alone. I woke up. I dismissed the dream. I gave it no further thought, but the Balshemtov would not leave me alone. He appeared in my dream again and repeated his message even more urgently. After that dream, lying in my bed, I began to think that it was perhaps time to repent my wrongdoing. I knew, of course, that the gates of tshuva are always open for true repenters. But could I really make the effort? I lacked the strength to make the difficult change. I pushed the dreams out of my mind. On the night before I was to give that fiery sermon the following morning, the Balshemtov appeared to me again in my dream, told me that he was coming to my town and would help me get out of the bog I had gotten myself into. He made me promise that I would not give the sermon and that I would run from the city and become a Balshuva. In my dream, I agreed, but when I got up in the morning and the church bells were ringing, reminding me of all the honor and all of the benefits I would have to give up, I lost courage. I decided to go to the platform which had been set up for me in the marketplace. Now, Rabiankov, you can see why I was not surprised when you gave me that message from the Balshemtov. It took all of my effort to agree to go to the Balshemtov. But after my long private talk with the Balshemtov, finally had the strength to break with the past and become a sincere Balshuva. The Balshemtov told me what I had to do and how I must arrange my life from then on in order to make amends for my past misdeeds. When I asked the Balshemtov how I would know that my tshuva was accepted, he replied, When a man will come to you and relate to you all that happened to you on this day, you will know that your repentance has been truly accepted. 
I followed all of the instructions of the Baal Shem Tov, and I waited and hoped for the day when the Baal Shem Tov's promise would be fulfilled. And that is the reason I was always so eager and anxious to meet anyone who could tell me anything about the Baal Shem Tov. I heard many wonderful stories about the Baal Shem Tov. They encouraged me greatly on my long road to Tshuva. But not until you came, Rabbi Yankov, did I finally hear what I had been hoping and praying to hear for so many years. When you came, I was sure you would tell me the story of my own life. But every time you tried to tell me a story, you suddenly became silent. You couldn't remember a single story. This told me that my tshuva was not quite complete. But I didn't lose hope. I urged you to stay for a few more days, during which time I did all I could to prove that I was truly repentant. Just now, when you got into the wagon, and I felt that you would leave without telling me a story, my heart truly broke, and I see that that was the last thing needed for my repentance to be accepted, just like the Baal Shem Tov had promised, and now you've remembered the story. Rabiankov's host embraced him warmly. There's now no need for you to wander about anymore. You have fulfilled the Baal Shem Tov's mission. You don't need to worry about making a living for yourself and your family. I will see to all your needs. I'm prepared to give you half my fortune, which I'm sure you will know how to deal with in a way that would please the holy Baal Shem Tov. I cannot sufficiently express to you how happy and grateful I am that I've lived to see this day. Thank you.